the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Something absolutely amazing. I caught my finger in my coffee pot, a coffee cup, spun it all the way across the uh, the counter here, and didn't spill a drop. No, I'm not doing Nixon, and I am not a crook. That's V for victory. Okay, just let you know. That's for all the guys that are watching on uh, on Facebook right now. Glad to see you today. Glad you're here. We've got a really good show for you. I mean, we're packed today. We got uh, sitting in the wings right now, you know, stage right. I'll be bringing him out. J.R. Davis will join us here in a moment from the Gilmore Group. Coming up at uh, 635, Seth Mays, who's the uh, Arkansas GOP uh, Director of Communications, will join us at 7 o'clock. We're going to have uh, Iverson Jackson on. Uh, we're also going to have a uh, a pastor from Jacksonville, who's a good friend of uh, of Iversons, and uh, I'm pulling this up so I can tell you exactly the names of these people. Because here we go, Bishop James Bolden the Third will be with us, and then one of my good friends from over at the Family Council. Uh, Sharice Dean will be in studio today as well. We'll take up the issue about race. And uh, I'll let some of the other voices talk and let them talk to you. I mean, Iverson will tell you some of the problems he's had with police in the past. So we'll we'll talk about that. And Iverson is as conservative as they come. I'm just telling you. Uh, There is a problem in America. We have to deal with it. And we, we need to get it done. So uh, we'll start some uh, com- uh, communication here uh, about it on the Dave Ellswick Show in the 7 o'clock hour. We're going to go all the way to, to the uh, 9 o'clock break uh, when I end up my show talking about it. Uh, also, Doyle Webb will join us, the chairman from the GOP, Arkansas GOP. He'll be on big uh, meetings yesterday in the hierarchy of the uh, GOP and about what they're going to do with the convention. And we'll talk to Doyle about that and uh, what he may know and what he can share with us. So we're going to talk to him about that. But we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what's going on in the land. And right now, cities are on fire. Like I keep telling you, I go back to 67, 68 about this. This is uh, the only difference for me is that I'm on the radio now talking about it. 
I was writing about it in my school newspaper. How's that one for you? Because I was an op-ed writer. In my in the Trojanal. That was the name of the school newspaper. I don't. How many schools even have school newspapers anymore? Where you went to high school, did they have? Well, you were homeschooled. Were, were you homeschooled? Yeah. So you didn't have a home. They, you didn't have to worry about all of that. I'm just one. I'm talking to Heidi. I'm. I'm just one. Did your high school have a school newspaper? If you're uh, a little bit younger, I mean. If you're, if you're, I consider you young if you're before, you're not 40 years old yet. So you call me and tell me if you had a school newspaper. Well, um, I know that um, for um, homeschooling, we did not have a newspaper. However, I went to Arkansas State University up in Jonesboro and they have the Herald, which okay. is like the big college newspaper. And uh, I never did anything for that. But yeah, they're, they're a good group of, of reporters. Okay, good. Then uh, we'll, uh, College, you should. I mean, if you're going to be a journalism student, you oh, should yeah. have a school newspaper. You know, we had one at Moorhead State where I went. It's called the Eaglet or something like that. The Golden Eagle, something like that. I don't even remember what it was called. Hey, JR, what's up, brother? Uh, not too much. Just uh, actually just went out to get coffee this morning because it's going to be that kind of day. Oh, are you are you going to be <laughs> slammed to the, the wall? Is that what you're saying? It's going to be a busy day, but that's that's actually, you know, that's what we want, Dave. You're in the studio. I've got a busy day. Things that are happening outside the confines of my home. So I mean, that's those are those are good things. They are. I, you know, it's this whole week I've been in studio, and it's been nice to see people again. To be honest yeah. with you. And Heidi, yeah. Heidi's getting excited because people that she's talked to over the phone for 11 weeks now are showing up and coming into the studio. And she goes, face, face to voice. It's always nice. It is always nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly right. Has anyone changed, Dave, that you've seen? Like, wow, 11 weeks. No, but I've changed. Okay. You should see everybody look at me. I'm going to hold on a second. I'm, I'm going to my gallery. I'm going to send you a picture. Okay. And then so that uh, you can look at me and go, holy cow, that was, does look weird. All right, so anyway, here we go. I'm sharing it to you right now. Got to get it over to the man. Okay, so the JR. There it is. Boom. All right, just sent it to you. You're going to say, yeah, that don't look like you, Ellswick. I'm going to tell you. It looks different. I look kind of like a mad scientist. That's what I do. If I had the wild hair, everybody would be calling me like Dr. Zorba or something like that. Oh, wow. That's different. Yeah, okay. And you got the, you got some the goatee going. I do. It looks pretty, and that and that's an older picture. It's really, it's really. Those, it's yeah, kind of, those new glasses. Yeah, blue. They're blue. Man. They're blue. Wow. It has nothing to do with my political thought, though. I mean, that's I'm, right. I'm yeah. I am still the way I was. I'm being honest with you, as far as that goes. By the way, have you uh, have you been following closely? The people who have been running their mouths about uh, the uh, the riots. How? Um, what do you mean by the people running their mouths about? How, how about uh, the New York Post reporter Nicole Hannah Jones? Did you hear what she said? Uh, All right, I want to play that for you. So we're going to play Nicole Hannah Jones. Uh, here's what she had to say about destroying property if you're rioting. All right, this is what she had to say for it. Uh, this is, uh, again, this is Ketnam, was it Nicole Hannah-Jones? That's who we're looking for there, uh, Heidi, if you would. Here she is. Well, we'll get to her in just a second. 
Well, and talk and talk about it. I'm looking Heidi's handling somebody on the phone. You want to play Nicole Hannah Jones for me? Just punch it. You know, Nicole, um, as we've been watching the coverage of the protests across the country, um, we are seeing peaceful protesters, and then we're also seeing destruction, arson, looting. There is a bit of a, a raging debate, I think, in this country about how you express dissent and what is the appropriate or inappropriate way to express dissent. Um, the former President Barack Obama has said, you know, that, that essentially there's no excuse for any forms of, violent, of, of violence, rather, um, in a statement condemning these acts of, of violence. Um, I want you, because one of the things you offer is a full perspective and context, more, most importantly, context. When we look at people rioting and looting, and no doubt some of the victims of the looting are going to be businesses that are African-American businesses, um, how are we to interpret what we see there? Um, you know, the president called people thugs. What is it that we're looking at? Or, or, and maybe it's not just one thing. I think, one, we, we need to be really careful with our language. Um, yes, it is disturbing to see property being destroyed. Soap, it, it is disturbing to see uh, people taking property from stores. But these are things. And violence is when an agent of the state kneels on a man's neck until all of the life is leached out of his body. Destroying property which can be replaced is not violence. And to put those things, uh, to use the exact same language to describe those two things, I think really um, it's not it's not moral to do that. So, yes, I, I think any reasonable, excuse me, any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property. But these are not reasonable times. These are people who have protested against police violence again and again and again, year after year after year. And still we can have videos of law enforcement with witnesses nonchalantly taking the life of, of a man uh, for the alleged crime of passing a fake $20 bill. So when we have people who say that uh, people should respect the law, uh, they're not respecting the law because the law is not respecting them. You can't say that, that regular citizens should play by all of the rules when agents of the state clearly or not i gotta tell you what uh nicole you need to go read dr martin luther king it just it amazes me how far away people have come from dr king and what dr king said about looting and about rioting and all of that he said it was definitely the 180 that you did that took it it took all the power from your argument and placed it firmly back in the hands of those that you're protesting against and here she is uh saying that stealing people's property uh destroying people's property which they worked for so that they could they could purchase it uh that, that they you know that they're, they're your own race and whatever that somehow that's to be forgiven because a member of the law did a heinous act which he has been arrested for which he's been now charged with second degree murder which the people who were standing around now have also been charged and they're going to have their day in court you know the the wheels of justice turn a little slower than a lynch mob that that's the key yeah. here and and this really bothers me when I hear it. What about you? 
Oh, 100%. Um, you know, look, I think that uh, this is a very unique situation. And she's right about that this has happened time and time again, and, and, and people are fed up. And, and I agree with all of that. But the problem, Dave, and you know this, is when you incite violence or you destroy things, uh, you're taking the focus off of what your message actually is. And, and, and in a place like Little Rock, I think you're creating a further divide uh, in the community when you decide to set, you know, a building on fire uh, like they did with the uh, Arkansas Pharmacy Association. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so to me, it's, it's not about necessarily uh, the vandalism, which, again, I, I think is, is totally uncalled for. I think the governor was spot on saying we're not going to tolerate that. Um, uh, but it's not necessarily about the vandalism, it's about covering up the very message you were trying to get across uh, the people of our state to our local media. Uh, Dave, you, you were probably watching the news. There wasn't a time that, you know, I mean, it felt like in the in the later, you know, uh, nine and 10 o'clock news shows, it wasn't about anything but destruction, violence, attacking local reporters. Yep. Um, and that, to me, is what is very frustrating. Now, I am certainly not someone who is, you know, uh, the guy who should be who should be talking about this, who is qualified to talk about this. But these are just some of my my thoughts. I, I certainly, uh, you know watched with great disgust what happened to George Floyd. It was terrible. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Minneapolis, um, you know, charging all four, uh, that was the right thing to do. We'll see how that plays out um, uh, in court. But that was that was the right thing to do. And uh, and and I think a pretty quick action, you know, by uh, the attorney general up there. But I just I, I just really feel that um, you know, protesting and doing it in a way that doesn't incite violence or vandalism uh, is, is absolutely appropriate. It's needed. Uh, I, I took a lot of pride, Dave, where you saw white people, black people, all kinds of people out there at these rallies together. Um, that was huge. That was really like a welcome sight. I do think it's different. Um, but when you start throwing rocks uh, into buildings and setting them on fire and spray painting the side of them. You know, these are people's uh, livelihoods. Uh, and this is something that, uh, you know, creates resentment and doesn't bridge the gap to peace. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Dr. King agreed. Uh, that's why, I, you know, people have to understand uh, that are peacefully demonstrating that they're being co-opted. They are being co-opted by the bad actors. And uh, if I were them, as Dr. King would have done, he'd made sure that his people that were marching during the 60s had nothing to do with any of those people that were out doing any kind of vandalism or stealing things or anything like that. He, he would have told his people to do that is ridiculous. and And I understand that some of this has been an ongoing problem. We've got to figure out what the problem is. For instance, in Atlanta, Georgia, the other night, it seems it was either four or six black officers that uh, attacked uh, other black folks in cars and broke out windows and, and tugged them out of their cars and, and tased them and pepper sprayed them. 
Two of them were uh, arrest, uh, far, far, uh, pardon me, were fired immediately. It just this is craziness. What is causing well, some people that are in the police force to act the way they're acting? We got to find that out too. No, I agree with that uh, completely. And and you know, a lot of the frustration too is just a lot of a lot of white people that are inciting some of this. I think to try to create some sort of blame. Uh, uh, on the black community in some of these protests. And so there's a lot of frustration out there, I think, and a lot of tension, to say the least. But All right. Do me a favor. Hold, yeah. your, hold your thought. we got to get a break in. Let's do that. All it's right. the Dave Ellswick Show, Traffic and Weather. Becky wants to talk as well. Becky, we'll get to you as when we come back. And i got a lot of other people that I want to play for you as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show in the 6 o'clock hour right now on 1011 FM, The Answer. 25 minutes after 6, Becky is on the line. She wants to uh, talk some about some things that uh, Lauren Logan has been saying. What do you got for us, Becky? Well, I think, Dave, I thank you for the discussion, number one. And I hope people are doing their due diligence knowing this is not just us and them. Because Laura Logan, she's paid her dues. She's a great journalist. And she's looking into the curious convergence of any number of radicals that are putting their foot in this and stirring it up. And I think it would be valuable if people took a look at what she's found out. Would you like it if I tried to get Lauren on the show? Oh, oh I hesitated to even ask you that, Dave. Yeah, we can make oh, the call. I thank you. Yeah, she might be available to us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we'll give Ain't it a nobody shot. nobody like Dave. Now, I'm just telling you, this has been going on for a long time. I mean... What we're going through right now, Becky, is not as bad as what we went through in the 60s. In the 60s, uh-huh. the same groups were all coming together, and right. their, their number one goal is to over, overthrow this country. It's what Correct. their number one goal is, and it's, their num- it's never changed. It's like no. when you talk about the communists over in China, the Communist Party of China, their goal is to overthrow the United States of America. That has never since Mao, that has never changed. Correct. Correct. And we make deals and then think it's all covered up and it's all gone. No, no, no. It's just under the surface waiting to spring. I agree. And, it's, and we're, we're seeing it spring. Thank you, Becky. We appreciate your call. And I will try to get Laura on. She is a very intelligent reporter. You know, during, uh, when uh, was it, uh, Mubarak, is that was his name over in Egypt? He was the premier over there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then he got overthrown. She was reporting from Egypt at that time, and her uh, TV crew at that time was attacked by the crowd, and she was raped. Did you know that, about that? I did not know that. Yes, she was raped. Wow. I mean... When when Becky says she's paid her dues, this woman is yeah. really paid her dues to get out the truth. Yeah. She really, really has. So you were making a statement about uh, about all of this, and I agree with what Becky's saying, what Laura Logan's saying. This is not just, for instance, Antifa. Uh, people say, well, right supremacist groups wouldn't be working. Oh, yes, they would. If they see... Yeah. If they see this as a weakening of our government and it gives them the opportunity to reach what they're wanting to do, which is overthrow the government, yeah. they're going to do it. And I mean, it's, oh. this all brings up strange bedfellows, as the old saying goes. Got a minute and a half. Go yeah. ahead. 
Well, I'll just finish my thought. You know, I think, uh, you know, what I was saying before the break, I do want to commend last night's protest uh, that the uh, organizers there at state capitol basically said, look, we're going to disband before the curfew. <clears throat> we're going to respect uh, our officials and the rules they laid out, and we're going to make our voices known, and we're going to go home. And, and I think last night, more than anything else, the focus was on the message, and I think that was the most important thing uh, from last night. And so you're starting to see – um, you know, all that sort of worked together for the good. I thought law enforcement did a really great job last night as well. Um, so hopefully, and I, and I hear also the governor is going to be meeting with some of these protesters, these, uh, the heads, just to talk to them and, and figure out, you know, where do we go from here? So I think we're at a really good point right now, but uh, there's a lot more to discuss when we get back, I'm sure. Yep, there is a lot, and Seth Mays will join us as well. And what I'd like to, I'd like to change uh, well, I want to play Vice President Pence and what he had to say about what's going on. And then I want to go back and, uh, and play Ben Shapiro, too. And then I want to get you guys in. We've got to direct and look at uh, our police departments in the country. And I, I think that is a place that needs to be addressed as well. So we'll talk about all of that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's all about today, about what's going on on the streets of America on 101. All right, back at uh, 25 minutes to 6, I went and got some more coffee. You know, I'm going to buy me some of those heat pads. You remember those? You plug them up, they stay hot, and you can put your cup on it. It keeps your coffee hot. I'm going to get that, and then I'm going to buy an extra uh, container for the coffee and have another bigger one to put that on. And th- and that's for my guests, too, because, I mean, when the power panel's here, we consume about five pots of coffee over that three hours they're on. So it just makes sense to keep it hot. In here, So when you start seeing the creamer and the sugar and everything, you'll know what's going on if you're watching it on uh, on Facebook. J.R. Davis is with me from uh, Gilmore Group, joining us. And it's always nice to have this guy around. I've been following him since he was a little piker. I'm just telling you. Seth Mays joins us, who's uh, what? It's director of communications for the Arkansas GOP now, right? Good morning, Dave. Senior political director, but okay. you can call me communications director, spokesperson, or just happy to have me. Well, Anything I'm works. I'm happy. I'm always happy to have you in here. You know what I'll be happy with when the day comes that, that? all of us can all sit in the studio again and talk. Mm, yes, that, that'd be I, great. I agree. That'd be great, and then you, we can throw punches and hit each other. That's right. I'm just I'm just <laughs> like kidding. Good old days. Uh, yeah, just yeah. like the good old days. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, the vice president had this to say about the the rioting uh, that had been uh, going on uh, in the various cities. As everybody knows, I'm I'm good buddies with Vice President Pence. He and I worked together at WIBC uh, in in Indianapolis, and uh, we keep in touch. And uh, I'm going to have to get in touch with his people to get him on the air. But cut eighteen. First and foremost, so we share the the grief of every American at the tragic death uh, of George Floyd. And as the president said yesterday in the Rose Garden, that uh, we stand by peaceful protesters in this country. But the violence, the looting, uh, the rioting, uh, and and uh, 
and and people using violence against uh, against shopkeepers and law enforcement is just a disgrace. And President Trump made it clear yesterday uh, that we are going to we're going to call on governors across the country to use the uh, full strength of their national guard as needed to restore law and order to their street. This is about preserving the right of Americans to peacefully protest. It's also about simply ensuring that that uh, that we protect all the citizens uh, of uh, of our communities. It is uh, uh, it is uh, it is really uh, uh, inexplicable, Jackie, that um, that uh, people that are showing up uh, just to riot and just to loot in these protests uh, are actually doing violence in many cases uh, to the very stores and and the very businesses that um, that serve the communities that they are supposedly there to champion now that's another thing that hasn't changed since the 60s i'm just saying when they burned down detroit they burned down their own neighborhood when they burned down watts they burned down their neighborhood uh go to rodney king they burned down southeast la i mean i'm just i don't get that at all except that it's a form of lawlessness that it doesn't matter what color you are black white asian whatever the bottom line is you want the people who are in charge of keeping the peace to keep the peace. You don't want them you don't want to walk back to just ashes. That's craziness. That's that's nuts. You know, I mean, the vice president's spot on right here, guys. Let's start with you today now, Seth, because you just joined us. We'll let you pontificate just a little bit about this. Well, no, I, I certainly agree with the vice president's remarks. And to go off of what you said, it just reminds me, Dave, that your political career is just ahead of you. You, too, can be vice president, given your start here in, in the radio. But to the subject of the protesting and in some instances where that's turned to rioting, I think this is just one of those instances where you have two groups that are talking past each other and sort of ironically being judged in the same way. You have thousands upon thousands, perhaps millions, if you totaled up around the country, of people coming out to peacefully protest. But there's an element that has a hidden agenda, and the rest don't want to be judged by that. And I think it's similar to the 800,000 law enforcement officers around the country who sometimes get judged by an element that is within law enforcement. And I think both groups want to get beyond that perception of what is certainly a minority fraction of what makes up who they are and they and they just want to talk and i've been i listened to a little bit of the show before i had called in and to jr's earlier point we've been quite lucky with with last night to see something completely peaceful and people for the most part obeying the curfew and then the night before absent the one mcdonald's incident on broadway also a peaceful protest though that one carried on past past curfew. But I I think that's important for people to get out and have their voices heard to really try and understand what the other side, quote unquote, thinks, even though we're all on one side and that's Team America. And Mm. that's my take on the whole situation. Well, I hope that you're right about Team America. Do you guys feel that there is an undercurrent that I'm feeling that I felt in the 60s, that there are people that are out there that are anything but Team America. I'll start that one off with 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 you, Jr. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of folks out there that take 
this country for granted. Um, you know, we're talking about really, uh, if you sort of take uh, the Iraq war off the table here, we're, we're kind of going to the first generation that hasn't had any sort of service uh, uh, to this country. And so I think the younger generations, you know, the ones that don't know who Michael Jordan is, uh, which still astounds me, by the way, um, are the ones that don't quite understand what this country was built on, the sacrifices um, that our veterans have made for it. And and so, I, I you know, and, and we've talked about this before, Dave, it's a, kind of a different issue, but socialism, right? You've got college kids now saying this is a pretty good idea. It's a terrible idea, but that's kind of what this next generation is is looking at. And so, you know, I absolutely believe there are people there, but I also think that they're, you know, the vast majority want America to work for all Americans. And, and I do think there's an issue there. And look, you know, I'm white. Uh, I grew up white. Uh, I don't know what growing up black in America uh, is like. And so I know that there's, there are absolutely, uh, uh, you know, uh, issues uh you know growing up black in america and and um you know when i get pulled over i don't get worried about it when when you know someone in the black community gets pulled over they do worry about it and so there's a lot of things that i don't know enough about to talk about it but i do uh, know that i think the vast majority want uh to take this opportunity uh, when you've got millions of americans dave still at home because fyi we still have this global pandemic uh across the world and for the first time, you know, an incident like this with George Floyd, it had a captive audience where people were at home, probably more people than than what we, you know, maybe would have happened back in the beginning of March or February, uh, saw this and saw what was happening. And, and I think it really has sort of sparked something different. It just feels different this time around in some ways. And I do give a lot of credit to the fact that people are sitting home and and, and watching all of this, but um, I think the most important thing is that the message gets across and we separate those who are there for the right reasons, who are there to, to, to say we want change uh, uh, from those who said, hey, this is an opportunity to loot, this is an opportunity to vandalize, this is an opportunity to, you know, uh, flex our uh, you know, arson skill set, right? I mean, so it's just, yeah. you have to separate those two out and make sure that that faction is not taking over what's actually being said here, you know? Yeah. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with JR. I think the rioting, the looting, especially, just has no place. And it sort of baffles me why, what would cause somebody to do that. But when you look at a lot of the arrest records around the country, you'll see it's a lot of young people. And so I think that element likes to come out with the crowds at the town squares and the city halls and the local government areas for the protests to try and blend in. And then when somebody's not looking, hey, here's a medium-sized rock in a flower bed. Let's take that and mash it, smash it through this big window. Um, but it certainly isn't representative of the whole movement as a whole. But to your original question, yeah, I, I think there is an element that isn't the team America that wants to sow distrust between the black community and police and those that are protesting and those that are on the streets, ironically, as has been pointed out to actually protect the protesters is what they're 
therefore, especially here in Arkansas, is to protect the protesters. And if you get to an instance where you have graffiti or the flag burning or the breaking of windows, well, at that point, then they have to step in and enforce the law. But they're initially there as protection uh, to help people. Let me just jump in and, and just say this. I don't care what color you are, white, black, you know, you're green with pink polka dots even. If you were at ground zero where these people are smashing windows, stealing the, you know, the products from your store, maybe burning your home, burning your neighborhood, I can tell you right now, you'd be thrilled to see the police there to stop it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think people need to, to put that in, into uh, firmly into their consciousness about this because uh, this violence has got, to, has got to stop. And destroying public property and private property is a form of violence, whether uh, New York Post reporter Nicole Hannah-Jones believes it or not in her statement of, well, you can always replace property. Uh, Well, I'm not going to disagree with that, but you shouldn't have to because somebody is wantonly taking it or destroying it. Uh, We'll talk further as we continue in our discussion here. It's 14 minutes until 7. Let's get back with uh, Jr. and Seth after the traffic, after the weather. Let's bring it up to you right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. This is The Answer. What we're seeing here are three groups. There are protesters who are legitimately angry about police brutality, and they are protesting and exercising the First Amendment rights, and we're all in favor of that. And then there are people who are actual outside agitators, people like the the folks over at Antifa, who are just terrible human beings, who are staging acts of violence, attacking police officers. And then there are rioters and looters who are taking advantage of the situation to steal a pair of shoes or to grab a TV. And those people don't give two dams about George Floyd. They don't give two dams about any of this. All they care about is being able to steal stuff and break windows. And the attempt by certain other members of the media and other networks to paint this as an outgrowth of legitimate outrage is insane and demeans both the protesters and George Floyd. We heard uh, Laura Logan talk about Antifa, and she really laid out what their principles are and said that they're, you know, left radicals. How did this group form, and what do we need to do to let them see that this is not acceptable? Well, the group has been around for a very long time. Again, many members of the media legitimated it or legitimized it or attempted to pretend that it didn't exist. It's a very loosely affiliated group of anarchists and radicals who take advantage of large crowd scenes in order to generate violence against police. They've been doing this for literally years, and anybody who mentioned this was deemed to be not serious about other problems in the United States. The only way to to fight this is to arrest everybody who is engaged in acts of violence. And that doesn't mean that you have to enact new laws. And all this means that you have to enforce the laws that are on the books. And we've seen mayors of major cities like Portland basically allow Antifa to run the streets for years on end without actually arresting people who are committing crimes. It is the essence of tyranny to see what we are seeing right now in L.A. or New York, where the law abiding are locked in their homes at sunset and rioting and looting are allowed to rage out of control. Because political actors are too cowardly to actually do anything to uphold the first mandate of government to protect your life, liberty, and property. That's right on, buddy. That's Ben Shapiro. He he is really good at clearly addressing an issue, and I thought he couldn't have said that any better. How about uh, how about you, Jr. Oh, I agree completely. Um, you know, I think uh, especially the opening comments about, you know, those who are looting, those who are 
uh, causing this destruction, don't care at all about these protests, don't care at all about George Floyd and the manner in which he died. Uh, they're there for, you know, an opportunity to loot and destroy. And, and, and I think you absolutely have to separate that out. And that's across the country. So people don't lose track of the actual message of what's going on here. And, and they, you know, just a couple of points, you know, one is, you know, I think we do have to look at law enforcement and I think the vast majority of law enforcement officials are good. They're there to I agree. protect, protect and serve, but, but wearing a badge does not shield you from being wrong. And I think we have to look and seriously look into the policing practices across the country and, and what needs to change, you know, for the first time, really what needs to change. And I think we can lead that effort even here in Arkansas. Um, Cause I think there has to be a serious conversation there. And then for those sitting at home, uh, you know, separating from the destruction, the vandalism, the looting, the protesters themselves have, have, you know, a majority have been peaceful protesters. And for those sitting at home saying, oh, it's just another protest, we have to remember that we are a nation of protesters. Our, our country was built on protesters. Uh, the patriots were protesters. Uh, this is this is sort of how we stand up and say this isn't right. We need a change. We're going to do something about it. And so I think those are a couple of points we have to keep in our mind as we move forward. Because Dave, this might be our best opportunity to kind of address some of these underlying issues that have uh, plagued our country for you know decades and decades and decades, and especially here in Arkansas in the shadow of 1957. This might be our best opportunity. Uh, if not, it's just going to continue to keep happening. Yeah, I, and I agree with you, Seth. You want to add anything to that? Yeah, I just, I just say to Jr.'s point, this is the moment, and then there's something about this moment that makes it feel like the culmination of feelings for years. And what strikes me is the officer who was kneeling on the neck had had been in the force for over a decade. And so he probably remembers the last time we had an, an incident. Maybe Botham Jean was the most recent, a man who was sitting in his apartment and a uh, lady off, off work from the police force walked into the apartment. She says she believed it to be hers. It wasn't. And she fired on this person, you know. And so we, we go through these series of events and the next event, whatever that is, that person is watching what's going on now. And that's what we've got to identify is what what can you change with that person's attitude? We know the officer in this instance had, I think, 12 or 13 uh, formal write-ups in the past. So you've got to think, what what is it that we do to change the here and where we're going? And I don't know that there's an answer for that, but that's what the protesting and the discussion is all about. Man, I'm watching something right now I can't believe. They got a video on Fox right now of rioters last night that were tearing down barricades. And right by the barricades, there were stashes of bricks that the rioters uh, cut. They cut the, uh, the, the, the ties around them and pulled the, the cardboard back and were grabbing them and, and throwing them at the police. Somebody's behind mm-hmm. us. You got to find. This is where law enforcement has to find who's funding this stuff, because they're as guilty as the person that's throwing the brick. You yeah, know, we got we to go and, and, take care of that. Yeah, and I and, and look, and that's the thing. And I think the governor, uh, he said it two days in a row now that that violence and destruction will not be tolerated. 
And again, that's how you separate these protesters out, the ones that are there for the right reasons to express their frustration, their anger, and then those opportunistic, you know, uh, members, or if you want to call them members of the protest that want to steal and destroy and, and all those sorts of things. The law enforcement has to say, you know, just like they did last night and the night before, as Seth pointed out with McDonald's, we're here to protect you. We're going to be with you every step of the way. If you start destruction or you start violence, we're shutting it down. Uh, and, and at some point, you know, those who are at these protests and curfew comes, just like last night, they go home. Those who stay, they know exactly what's going to happen if they decide to take that route. And yeah, if you're hanging out with the message, if you hang yeah. out with the lawbreakers, you're going to be cast into them, whatever they do. You, people need to under understand that. Uh, uh, we're going to have you guys on in, in the future again. I mean, JR is on every Thursday. I'm sure we'll still be talking about some of this on Thursday. I've got a great panel coming up here uh, on my show starting at 7.05. Iverson Jackson's going to be with me, and uh, Clarice Dean from Over Family uh, Council is going to be here, and uh, James Bolton III, I believe, is a pastor in Jacksonville. He'll be with us as well in the studio. We're going to talk about what's it like to to be a you know a black person in America and and with police sometimes, and we're going to talk about that. And I, and I want to talk to them about how do we change what's going on. And I, I'm just going to state this right now: we got to have the politicians in, involved when I'm talking about mayors and stuff like that. We've got to have people from the public involved in this discussion. And we got to have the FOP because some of the problem, and I don't have time to get into it right now, but some of the problem is with the union, with the police officers. I have nothing against the union, against the FOP. I've been a supporter of them. I've done things with them. But in some instances, they go too far to protect the thin blue line. We'll talk about that as it comes up. Seth, thank you so much for your time. JR, thank you. Thank you so much for your time as well. I'll talk to you next week. We'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show in just a few moments with our panel. get into the second hour 706 on the phone before we get into our discussion is uh doyle webb he is the chairman of the arkansas uh, gop as you know the uh, the president told north carolina take a long walk off of a short pier about uh, what was going on as far as the convention uh in north carolina we're not going to be there and so now it's up to uh you know the people that are in the in in power in the GOP to figure out what they're going to do, and believe it or not, one of those people resides right here in Arkansas, and his name is Doyle Webb. He's the longest-serving state chairman in the GOP, and uh, he's a lawyer for the GOP. 
So you've been, what's going on with this, uh, Doyle? I'll just let you kind of have an open mic here. And where where are we as far as the convention goes? Hey, Dave, I appreciate you. I always appreciate being on the uh, show with you. And, you know, I'm going to tell uh, our friends and, and your listeners everything that I can uh, under the circumstances, but I'll probably tell them more than they know. How okay, about that? uh, that's good. But let me tell you, we're, we're in an untenable situation right now. And fortunately, uh, at the 2008 convention, which, if you'll recall, McCain was nominated up in uh, up in the north. Okay, right. we actually suspended that convention for a couple of days because of the hurricane. Okay, not that there was a hurricane up there, but the nation turned to watching the hurricane. Correct. Okay? We're talking well, Katrina. That's right. As a result, well, was it? I don't. I don't recall. Okay, you're probably right. Okay, as a result. Um, we included in our rules a provision that if, for some reason, the uh, committee determines that the National Convention cannot convene or is unable to conduct its business, it can uh, take the necessary steps to nominate the president and the vice president. So it, it's, a, it's a little rule. You'll hear it. It's 37E of the Republican National Committee, but it's a rule that enables uh, actually through another rule for the executive committee to make a decision that has remake a decision that was made two years ago. Two years ago, we decided we're going to Charleston. We've been spending money. We've been having staff on the ground there, uh, looking out the hotels, looking at the venues, how we're going to stage the facility and so forth. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, this virus comes through and uh, the governor over there, and and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give him uh, as much, uh, credit as possible he he is trying to protect his people but his rules presently say for the rules in the state you can't have gatherings of more than 10 people okay okay uh, well it makes that Im- and and we've asked him okay tell us what we need to do to be able to convene a convention of which we have over uh 2500 delegates uh, around 2500 alternates there you go. And each one under our rules is entitled to a guest. And then there's another a number of guests that are required under the rules. So we work up to about 15,000 people for us to have a convention to nominate the president. Okay? Right. Well, we keep playing cat and mouse, cat and mouse, cat and mouse, okay? He won't tell us. He says, you tell us what you'll do. Well, every time we tell him what we'll do, they move the goalpost, okay? We don't know what the goalpost is. So it, we're now at 80 days from the convention, and it's time uh, to to take care of business, time to move things along, time to start building stages and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I said Charleston. I meant Charlotte, okay? Right, Charlotte. Uh, anyway, yeah, we all know, okay? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're in that situation. We, we, cat and mouse, cat and mouse. And finally, you know, the letter was sent. The governor tweeted. I mean, the president tweeted very sincerely. We want to have it there. We want to have it there. But you got to tell us where the goalposts are. Well, they won't tell us. Okay. And certainly I respect 
his concern for his people. Uh, and it's more than just the convention facility. It's, well, will our, our uh, delegates and alternates have to shelter in place when they get there? Right. What restaurants can they go to? I'm, we're getting ready to bring 50,000 people into Charlotte, okay? <laughs> well, no direction. And we're not going to bring 50,000 people in to stay in a hotel room for two, a week to two weeks. Yeah, okay. and McDonald's is the only restaurant that's open. That's right. Uh, there you, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, there you go. And there's only so much fried chicken. That's there, right. Okay? Uh, you anyway. got it right. <laughs> so uh, we yesterday invoked uh, by a unanimous vote to invoke Rule 37E, which authorizes the chairwoman and the uh, uh, the committee, the site selection committee, to look at other sites. Uh, we're also got some contractual obligations with Charlotte that we uh, intend to try and fulfill, uh, based on you know our good faith. Uh, they may not be acting in as in good faith, but we're going to do our best to do that. Uh, so they're, they're, the RNC, I anticipate, the Republican National Committee. Uh, the 168, as we call them, the 168 members, three from every state, three from the territories as well, will meet in Charlotte. Okay? We will meet there. Uh, uh, and we will conduct some business of the convention. We don't know what that's going to look like yet. We've got to design that. That's the second part of 37E. Uh, and then we will. Uh, go to a city where our delegates are gathered uh, in a traditional convention, and we will celebrate the nomination, the renomination of Donald J. Trump. Um, so we're out right now looking what Florida wants us. Uh, you yeah. know, and you have to look at states that have uh, a governor, and most of the time it's a Republican governor sure. and a Republican mayor or county judge that. Uh, has a good record with the virus. Okay, we're, we're, we, we don't want to put our delegates in a situation that they all contract the virus. We're, we're very conscious of that. We're trying to uh, hit a happy, media, happy medium. But there's, as you know, there's uh, this virus is very tricky, and there's no uh, certain tests, but we want to do our testing and quarantines if a delegate has issues. But anyway, uh, so Florida wants us, Georgia wants us, Tennessee wants us, Texas wants us, and Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix wants you. So Phoenix, Phoenix, that's right. Uh, So we're getting ready to do in about uh, a few days, it may be a couple of weeks, what normally takes six months or seven months, but I have confidence in the people that make these decisions. Uh, And particularly, we're in a situation now that even though we have expended money in Charlotte, there are cities now and states that want us to come in and will help support the convention because they want the economic boom that 50,000 people are getting ready to bring to their city. So you, you gave me the open mic, so, boy, I'll give you, you did a good. whole bar and a hay. You, okay? you brought us up to date, and that's what I wanted you to do. Just let you know right now that on Fox & Friends, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was just on talking about several cities in Florida 
that were being visited by the uh, GOP uh, dealing with the convention. Yes, yes. So we're excited, and I, we're, we've got uh, we've got the largest delegation that we can take to the convention because we've been so successful in Arkansas. Uh, we will take uh, seventy seven delegates and 74 alternates, probably a delegation of over 200 people into this convention. Uh, It's going to be exciting, whatever occurs. We know that we're going to hear a great speech, a great acceptance speech, and we're going to send the message that America is open for business, and this is the president that can take it back to the level that it was. I agree, and uh, I'm going to get you on again next week because the GOP chairman or chairwoman, uh, we'll join us sometime. As soon as I know when that is, I'll let you know, Doyle. I'd like to have you on as well. You let me know. I'm always available to All right. Okay? We'll talk to you later, Thank Doyle. You. Appreciate it. Thank Doyle you. Webb, who is the chairman of the Arkansas GOP. 16 after 7. Let's get a break in. Then when we come back, uh, that'll give us an open running field in front of it. It'll be all green, as you like to say in football. It'll be all green for us, and we'll be ready to do our deal here. We're going to talk race today. But guess what? We're going to talk without anybody getting upset and and yelling and and saying it's all right to steal and all that kind of stuff. So that's all coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So stick with us, all right? Don't forget about my friends over at, uh, you know, um, roofing, PI roofing. Uh, in, I just went blank for a moment. That happens when you get 67. Uh, PI roofing, and they'll take good care of you without having to – without having to break your social distancing or anything like that uh you just call them 707-3551 707-3551 or go online to piroofing.com and uh, talk to joel or veronica or one of their uh, associates and let them get things set up for you they'll come out and look at your roof if you got a leak and you know you got a leak you'll tell them where the leak you, you say you're seeing a stain on your ceiling well, they'll crawl up in the attic without coming and standing next to you or anything, and they'll go up and find where the leak's coming from because it may not come be coming from the roof right over top of where the leak's at. Leaks are really, really kind of weird to kind of find, but PI roofing is really good. That's why they call themselves the roof leak detectives because they can find where those leaks are at. They can fix it. If you need some things fixed inside your house, uh, you can get things set up to get that done. You may not have them done right now, uh, but the folks at PI Roofing will do that for you as well. They're full service, man. They'll do it all. They'll deal with your insurance and all of that, and that's uh, the good folks at PI Roofing. I've used them personally. I highly rate them personally, and I think that you should use them and know you're going to be taken good care of. I can tell you Joel Johnson and Veronica are good Christian folks, and they will not take advantage of you. That's P.I. Roofing, 707-3551, and piroofing.com. I'm going to I'm trying to find a segment that I'm going to play for us sometime during the show today uh, from a movie uh, that was very, very popular. And I just got to tell you that more truth was in that movie than a lot of people thought. I, it really elicited a whole lot of uh, conversation uh, about it because of some of the things that were said. In the studio, Iverson Jackson is back with us today. Thanks for coming in, Iverson. Good I appreciate you. And I, I gave him a call, and and I said, uh, "You got some other folks that you can bring in." 
and he did. He brought in uh, it's James Bolden the third. Is that yeah, right? That's me. All right, pastor yeah. in Jacksonville. What's the name of your church, sir? Evangelistic Ministries Church, where we're motivated about Jesus. There. You guys got the big uh, billboard I used to see. Is that right? Yeah. Well, beautiful wife standing next to me. Yes, I'm heading up uh, on 67. I yes, see that all the time. Good. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. We all try to marry above ourselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. And, of course, one of my, my favorite ladies is here today. Uh, Desiree Dean is here from the Family Council. She joins me a lot of times when I'm over at the Capitol. Thanks for having me, Dave. All right, move up close and talk up. Yeah. Be bold. All right. All right, be glad bold. to be here. Thanks. Well, I'm glad to have you all here because guess what? I can sit here and talk all day about race relationships, mm-hmm. but I'm not black. Yeah. I think you all know that. Yeah. You look at a cross and you either that or I'm a really pale black. <laughs> Let's just put in. And Spike Lee wouldn't like me. But the bottom line is, is that uh, uh, there's things going on and have been going on in our country for a long time. Let's just roll the tape back a little bit. I mean, Bush came out. Bush, the uh, the junior, came out and was talking about what happened in Minneapolis. What he forgot and, and would have been nice that he had talked about. You remember what happened under his watch mm-hmm. uh, in Texas mm-hmm. when a black man mm-hmm. was dragged behind a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would have been nice if he would have taken from his experiences that, that and talked about now. And and we've had things like this happen all too frequently Mm -hmm. you go back in the history of america lynching you know was a sport in the south Mm -hmm. it truly was a sport Mm -hmm. they would they would lynch people at the drop of a hat yeah Mm -hmm. if something bad happened they'd look for the nearest black person Mm -hmm. now we've moved or we hope that we've moved Mm -hmm. from that and then something like this in Minneapolis happens while we watch a police officer with his his knee on a man's neck and uh, strangle the life out of him. And then if you see the video from the other angle, from the other side of the car, there's two other officers mm-hmm. on top of the man. Is it three? Three. Three of mm-hmm. them. And I think there were four Four total. altogether. Yes. Now, if I'm not mistaken now, Finally, it looks like they're getting with it on the justice. Second-degree murder. Now, that's a higher, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a higher uh, place that you got to go to prove guilt. Because you got to prove intent now in the mind of the, of the assailant. So that's, that's a little higher. Uh, but it gave them the opportunity, which should have happened, because I said all along, all those officers they shouldn't have just been fired. They should have been charged because they're complicit. That's yeah. right. With what went, went on there. I think if you're a, a civilian and you're near something like that going yeah. on, if you don't do something, yeah. you should be complicit mm-hmm. in it. I mean, you don't you don't just stand there and watch somebody get killed. Right. You know, you just you just don't do that. Right. So that's going on. But people want instant justice, just like they want. You know, law and order to make sure they tell us at the end of the hour that they've solved the crime and they've taken the people to justice and they found them guilty and they're heading to jail. Right. It don't work that way in real life. All right. Uh, there's going to be a trial and everything. And that, and you know what? That's, that's just picking at the wound the whole time that's going to go on. I'm yeah. just telling you, it's going oh, yeah, to definitely. be picked definitely. at the wound. So I want to just ask you all your thoughts about where our country is right now. 
what you're seeing on on tv because that's that's our mirror right now into our society and uh then iverson you've talked you've had run-ins with the law oh yeah Oh, yes. uh, James, have you had run-ins? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, yeah. I, I heard you say Houston a moment ago. Yeah, I'm from Houston originally. Okay, yeah. then you, I know yeah. you've had run-ins with oh, the yeah. law, all right? <laughs> I, I know. Being oh, stationed in other places also. Yeah, how about you? I have as well. You have as well? Well, yeah. I want you guys to share that, all right? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with you, Iverson. Okay, uh, let, let me just first say, Dave, I appreciate you convening uh, this panel here to talk about this, get it out in the open and that's one thing we cannot be afraid to talk about things. No, mm-hmm. we've right. got to sit right eyeball to eyeball and say, "Hey, we're in trouble. We're in trouble." And let's discuss this. Uh, no holes barred. And let's just get this thing out in the open. Uh, as my friend says, uh, you know, put the whole skunk on the table and just let it stink. Did James no. say that? <laughs> did you say that? That's another one of the friends. No, another one of the friends. I, so, I like that. Though. Yeah. So, so we cannot be afraid to. To talk about these issues, because if we don't and deal with them, not just talk, but then deal with them and come to some type of a resolution, some type of something to do something about to make some change, positive change going forward. And so I appreciate you doing that and uh, yeah, appreciate do. these guys coming yeah. in to give that part. But, yeah, it starts out. Uh, and the question was asked, you remember Monday when Jan asked me, you know, yeah. well, have you know, do I think as a black person that the police are. These are not exact words, so I'm just summing it up. Yeah. You know, do as a black man do, you sometimes feel like the police are out to get you. And I think if you are black, uh, whether you're a man or woman, you just about have that that feeling in your head, especially is put there uh, by the police. And let me say it like that, because I can remember as a 19 year old college student uh, driving uh, my mother's car. And uh, I'm a college student, another college student a friend of mine was with me and uh, a friend that was in the Navy that we all went to high school together. We were pulled over just off the uh, Mississippi, riding the Parham exit there. And to this day, I still don't know why I was pulled over other than, you know, being young, being black and being in in a new car. Uh, There were four police cars there. They were searching the car, doing everything and all of that. So when you have those type of experiences, not just once, not just twice, but it becomes something common, you know, in your life. Well, yeah, you kind of start thinking like that. But. Let me say this also. That's not the experience with every police officer. Correct. Yeah. So we have Mm -hmm. to say that because I have had some incidents where, hey, Mr. Jackson, slow down, have a good day or those type things like that. So I don't want anyone to think that we're talking about all police officers, because no matter what profession you're in as a pastor, there are some pastors I like to ring around their neck because they're not representing That's true. the foe. All right. I'm going to ask you to hold your thoughts. I got Rush coming up. Okay. And Lord knows we got to let Rush talk. All right. We'll do Rush, and then we'll come back and do more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We are back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We have a panel here. Iverson Jackson is here. Yeah, he's a pastor here in uh, in Little Rock. What's the name of your church? Uh, Zoe Bible Church. Okay, and then we have James uh, Bolden the Third. Yes, sir. All right, That's and it. again, I can't remember the name of the church. I'll let you give it. Evangelistic Ministries Church, where we are motivated about Jesus. That's right. You'll see his billboard <laughs> right there on sixty seven one sixty seven before you get to Jacksonville if you're going north on sixty seven. Yeah. And that's right. You are, are are over over at the. I said Desiree. Sharice. Yes. Yeah, Sharice is. <laughs> wow. Anyway, 
Can I plead 67 again? Go ahead. Okay, I plead 67 <laughs> again. Uh, but the bottom line is she is over a family council, yes. and uh, we appreciate you coming in as well today. So we heard from Iverson. He told us he's had, you know, been pulled over, you know, because he's black. How about you? Yeah, um, I believe I believe that was probably the reason for uh, a few times I've been p- pulled over. Um, didn't seem to be doing anything different from anyone else. Um, and it's, uh, that's one thing that uh, Pastor Jackson and I spoke about is especially if I'm um, driving a uh, rental car that has out-of-state tags. Uh-huh. Every, time, every single time I'm driving one with out-of-state tags, I am pulled over for some reason. Huh. So it's it's um, a phenomenon. I think that black people experience um, proportionately more than others, um, and it's it's something that needs to be dealt with and, and addressed. Okay, Pastor. Yes. All right. Move up on the mic. Yes, I, I've had my share of it, as you know. Uh, I told you I'm from Houston, and I can remember. I'm gonna go back a little bit that I can remember uh, as a young boy. In Houston, Texas, there was a police officer that was well-known. His name was Ken Garnett. And Mm -hmm. Ken Garnett would come out to the schools and talk to us and really gave us a positive impact on what Mm -hmm. police officers were. So, you know, you you grew up as a little boy looking at that. Then when I became a man, and uh, well, I'll just say a teenager, first of all, uh, in the Third Ward, Sunnyside, and Fifth Ward area, uh, it it was a popular thing, don't don't ride four deep. And if you rode Mm -hmm. four deep, they were going to pull you over. And I got pulled over a couple of times. They put you out the car and... You know, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to get some shrimp, you know, and whose who shrimp you getting? I mean, it was it was something else. Then I became a man, joined the military, traveled across the country, and I ran into those same things as a young African-American male. Uh, of course, now what you're looking at is you're looking at a lot of our young African-American males are not, I can say, as calm as we were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That tolerance level is totally different. We're dealing with a different society. So with that, it's totally different. But even when you cross the state line, going to Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, any of those areas, you have to really watch yourself, even as an old African-American. You know, for years in the state of Arkansas, when you bought a car, they would give you a uh, you didn't have to have a tag back in the day. Well, I made sure I got my tag none before I left to go to Texas. <laughs> because okay. as soon as you hit that Texas border and you go down those back roads, it's a totally different concept. So, yeah, it's it's a form of harassment, but all our officers don't do that. You know, right. and I've got a big military emblem on my car and everything, so they know my my background, military mm-hmm. background. So it doesn't happen as often. But for our young African American males, it's it's a pretty hard thing to take. Okay, and then with that said, uh, it's it's repeated on television that uh, you know fathers or mothers of uh, you know families, black families, sit their children down and say, now if you get pulled over, mm-hmm. this is the way mm-hmm. you handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, some of that is rightly that's good teaching. All yes. right. Mm-hmm. No matter what color you that's are, exactly right. you be nice. All that's right? right. You you give respect to the man in the uniform or the woman in the uniform. But for black families, it's quite a bit different. Yeah. 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 Dave, uh, I have I have all girls. My wife and I. We have three girls. And they're all grown now. And the worst thing, you know, one of the as a parent, you do not want to receive a phone call. Uh, Daddy, I'm in jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you think of that for young boys and stuff like that. But when you're a father of girls mm-hmm. and my oh, daughter yeah. calls me and says, I'm in jail. I've been arrested. What? 
you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, you, you, you know, you put everything in motion. You get there. What's going on here? She was driving a rental car, mm-hmm. a rental car right here in Little Rock. Police come up behind her, run the tags. The tags come back stolen. And, uh, you know, they yelling out to her. She stops and she's like, Dad, I, I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't speeding. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And if I had not rolled out down my window to hear them because they didn't come around there, they just jumped out and just started screaming at her, pulled out the car, put in handcuffs. Now, I'm 58. I'm a male and I've done some things that I probably should have been put in handcuffs for. Right. for but I've never been put in handcuffs. I've never been arrested. Now, here's my daughter, 21, 22 years old, is being traumatized. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they just pulled out, take her to jail. The papers for the car were right there. They never asked for the papers. So, yeah, I, I've had that talk with, with my children about that, you know, when you get pulled, how to conduct yourself. And as you said, Dave, that part of this is just good training. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just good training. But you also know there's another, another element to it. And you want your children to come home. We'll right. get a lawyer. We'll go to court. Yeah, yeah. We're just not right. going to have your trial out on yeah. out on the street. Mm-hmm. See, that, that's the point. I mean, if you're a white guy, yeah, you know, I think they're going to say, "Well, let me see the papers." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you're black. You don't get that question. You don't get no. that. And it, and if you say, "Well, wait a second, let's look," at, I didn't ask for the papers, and things right. elevate immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. It really, really does. And, and what do you think a young, you know, we see young men, as uh, Bishop said, as young men, you know, you're a little, I used to think. Testosterone. Yeah. I used to think <laughs> when stuff like that would happen, I can take you. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah. that's that was my mindset. <laughs> you know, I can, t- I can take you, buddy. Let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. So that was my mindset. And But now we see it being played out mm. because no one wants to be harassed when you know you haven't done anything you know you haven't broken the law so that's the thing and yeah you have to have that talk because you want your children to come home you handled all the legal stuff in in the courtroom that's yeah. the point you want to get across to them and also you still teach them it's not every police not every police. right right it's yeah. not and you have to really teach that it has to go hand in hand with the other teachings and, and you know if, if you don't mind i'd, I'd yeah, like to interject. On. it's one thing too is that we have to always remember it's not every police. It's not. There are a lot of uh, officers that have compassion, yes. understand it, but then there's an area of those who are very arrogant, uh, very cocky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it goes right back to every career field that's in the world. They always have bad and good. Yep. You yes. know, uh, one thing that I really teach, and I teach this real strong with the brothers in the church, I said we've got to learn how to control our adrenaline rush mm-hmm. because a lot of times drilling will cause you to do foolish things, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Right. And so when that drilling hits, you had to be able to control it. And that especially, I used to be a reserve peace officer, I think I told you, in Texas, yes. down in uh, Tyler, Smith, uh, well, deputy sheriff. And uh, one thing about it, when that drilling is rushing, you got to learn how to pull back, right. examine the situation. De-escalate. De-escalate mm-hmm. the thing. You got to de-escalate it. And that's the whole major thing with this, is that our young, our young African-American males have been so polluted by past, just like what, yes. what happened to this young man. Yeah. Yes. You know, and those wounds are still open. And then what happens is when something else like this happens, the scab comes back and the infection starts to ooze out again. And mm-hmm. that's what has happened over the years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I can understand that. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I can pretty easy to understand. the infection, Dave, is there because easy. we've never dealt with never the thing. Did. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't and that's true. Yeah, that's they put why, stitches on it, but they didn't kill the infection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying that we got to have a real conversation mm-hmm. about this. And the conversation is going to come down with the people in power. Mm-hmm. And in this case, and let's just say, we'll just stay with Little Rock. With Little Rock, that's Scott. He's the mayor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his police chief, 
for how long he lasts, uh, him, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have to have some members of the community. Yes. And they're going to have to be reflection of the people who like the police and the people who don't like them. Yeah, don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe even hate them. Mm-hmm. All right. You got to get them in the conversation. And then the last group, and a lot of times nobody wants to take it, uh, take this on, and I'm, I'll call up the FOP and invite them on my show because I'm not against the FOP. Right. But the unionization of the police forces in America have caused problems, mm-hmm. right. and I need to sit down and talk with them about that. And the FOP uh, has got to be part of this as well. There, there's... There, there's a real problem yes. here that has to be addressed. And I agree with what all you have said in that this is the opportunity. Right. And we right. talked about this in the first hour, too. This is an opportunity. The scab is off already. Yes. yes. Yeah. So yeah. now we can go in and let's just be honest with yes. each other. Absolutely. You know? Can't move forward if, if you're not honest. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You and you can't. You can, And it's like you just said, uh, Pastor, you can't get rid of the problem if you don't treat the infection. That's right. right. That's right. It's the bottom line. I learned that. I've been going for a year on my foot to the doctor to get mm-hmm. rid of an infection. Sometimes it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's got to be a start. And one of the things I think the FOP's got to do is quit protecting Bad officers cops. that they know. They know just because they're a part of the union. They right. get in there and protect them because they're and, and they're bad cops. Right. right. It would seem like if you're a cop. The last thing you want is a bad, it's a bad cop. cop, right? It's a bad cop. Yeah, let me. Uh, if yeah. you don't mind, I'll interject there. I was actually married to a police officer. He was on the force for over ten years, I believe, and he was a good. He was a good cop. He was one of the good ones, and um, and that's something that he experienced as being an African American in the Little Rock Police Department. He could see, you know, there are some bad actors, and there are those um, that feel like it's a calling for them. And they they see it as a a point of ministry. But until the ones, um, the good cops speak out and um, deal with those bad actors, it's like the saying, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. So it spoils. And that's a true statement, by the way. It spoils the whole appearance, first of all. Right. it, it It spoils the appearance. And then when when um just like in the old testament god said put sin out of the camp mm-hmm. oh, because yeah. when you don't put sin out of the camp it spreads mm-hmm. like yeast mm-hmm. when you put one little piece of yeast in a ball of dough eventually the whole lump is leavened that's right um and that that goes for the body of christ and it goes for any sort of society a society is an agreement that all actors are going to behave accordingly um, I'm going to put away, I'm going to restrict a few rights of mine. Other people restrict rights of theirs so that we can all live peaceably together. But when you have parts of the society that refuse to honor the contract, um, it it messes the whole agreement up. That's right. Um, and I'll just say, I'm, I'm literally, my voice is weak because I have literally been weeping mm-hmm. the last few days. I am exhausted from crying and um, mourning um, as a as a people group we are we're traumatized mm-hmm. and it's it's not just trauma from this situation it's generational trauma mm-hmm. we've been dealing with this for centuries. centuries centuries and I'll just speak to you as a mother 
I, I, I have to work at not being constantly in fear mm-hmm. for my children, especially my sons. I have a 13-year-old son. Well, I have a 19-year-old and an 18-year-old daughter, 13- and 15-year-old boys, and I have big boys. Mm-hmm. My, my sons are 6'3", 165. They don't look like little boys, mm-hmm. but they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I have to constantly fight fear of um, just them, especially one that's driving. We've had the talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As we call it, the talk. And especially after this happened, I was even to the point where I was like, I don't even want you driving right now. Because in the case, the things are so volatile right now. I don't mm-hmm. even want you driving. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that we have to deal with and, and look at, honestly, the amount of trauma that we are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they talk about it from a male perspective. They they want to fight and and just do things. But from a from a mother's perspective, it causes deep it causes fear yeah. and it causes anxiety. I haven't been able to sleep. I mean, I have to really work at um, staying out of fear, trusting God that he'll protect us, especially when you don't have a man in the house. Mm-hmm. It's It elevates it that much more. So I think we have to really have these honest conversations about what happens when when those who are in um, authority don't uphold their ends of the contract. Okay, we got to get a break in. Final break for the seven o'clock hour. We got more coming your way in in just a moment. Uh, we're trying. I'm trying to have just an open discussion here. If you got a question, feel free to call in eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. Someone just texted me. I was raised that all people are the same and want the same things: family, security, etc. Different skin color or not. What about if I'm a white girl and I'm discriminating against blacks just because of my skin color? How do I, as a white girl, help this situation, or is that even possible? We'll take that on uh, when we come back. Because we got to the point in this nation, we can't even talk about it, and it gets heated really fast. gets really, really heated really fast. So we'll come back and talk about it. I was... Born in Gary, Indiana, just so everybody knows, okay? And uh, raised in uh, Lake Station, and then we moved to Hessville. We were, we, we were on the wrong side of the tracks, okay, in Hammond, Indiana. I'm just telling you. It's, Hessville was the wrong side of the tracks. That's where all the hillbillies lived, is what everybody always said. And uh, that's why I took exception to a senator one time that said anybody was growing up on the side of a dirt road was going to be a bad apple, basically, and we need to, to cover all the roads in Arkansas. And I grew up on a dirt road until I was, I guess, 14 years old. And I think I came out pretty good, even though it was a dirt road. didn't bother me at all as far as that's concerned. But we got a lot to talk about uh, during the next uh, 15 minutes and the next uh, hour of the of the Dave Ellswick show like you to get involved in the conversation uh, as well. And just know that there, there are people that are out there that are listening right now uh, that have real problems with people of different colors, uh, real problems with people, different nationalities. Uh, There's people that are different colors that have problems with, People are the same color that, that they are, all right? I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about here. And when we come back, I'm going to play the segment of uh, 
the movie I was telling you about. And it, there's a lot of truth in, in what is, is said. And I would like to play it for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back with more. I got traffic and weather for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport. Because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's it's just true. true. There are some people that are involved right now with what's going on in this country, and it's all about they just want to see it burn. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to listen to when they, when they talk. They just want to see it burn. Yeah. And that, that's such a powerful point uh, from Batman. Mm-hmm. Where Alfred school and Batman. It's really good. He's talking about the Joker. Yeah. The Joker didn't care. He burned all the money at the end. Do you remember that? Yeah, he did. That's he had all the money and he he, uh, he burned it. He didn't care. He was all about anarchy. He was all about chaos. Because he hated everybody. And I think these people hate everybody, to be honest. We'll get into the whole thing about the heart. That's something we got to talk about as well. I need to remind you that what would you do with an extra $287,619 in retirement? You, you asked me that one time, and I, I can give you a pretty quick answer on it. Uh, and, but that's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes with their IRA and 401k. And thanks to the tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock, they can help you save money, not only now, but in the future. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. If you save more than uh, $250,000, be one of the first 10 callers and schedule your free analysis now at 501-223-3315. If you got an IRA or a 401k, learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Our panel is going to be back with us in the next hour. The phone lines are open at 823-0965. 823-0965. When we come back, we'll answer that question that we had from a listener. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to say you might be white and you don't even know that you're discriminating. We'll talk about that and uh, and discuss it and uh, we're going to talk about how do we solve this problem a whole lot of people are upset about the problem what do we do to solve the problem that is the big big issue we'll take up in the next hour and I, i've always already talked to iverson about this we want to have a, a march here within the next three or four weeks about unity and about finding answers 
and bringing us together instead of being forced apart like we have been uh, at this time. A break and then more on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Glad you're along with us. Dan Sullivan sent uh, Iverson a uh, a statement, a good statement. Uh, he, of course, is a senator, state senator elect. I got to say it that way because it's not January yet. But he's going to be a state senator, and uh, Dan's a good man. Absolutely. And uh, but he asks a very pertinent question here, Iverson. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just read the email, sure. uh, not email, text that Dan sent me. It says, I'm listening. Hear a lot of talk about having conversations, but what do we do? Hate crime legislation, statewide training, personality profiles for police, mental health uh, uh, training for police, required classes in schools. Seems to me like the conversations uh, haven't accomplished much. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I replied, moving from protest to policy. There you yes, go. Absolutely. Moving from protest to policy, not just a conversation. And I said this, I support all above except hate crime legislation. Okay. So uh, he is absolutely correct. We can talk, we can talk, we can talk. Mm-hmm. But you got to move on from talking to action. And that's what policies. And that means that uh, the people out there that are that are if you're angry, you got to turn that anger into something, a policy. You get, that means you got to go to work now. Yes. You got to get with your legislators, mayor, mayors, all the people that mm-hmm. make policy. And we got to yeah. say these things have to have to change. And we're not going to change just by talking. We got to have action behind it. Right. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants, you know, the police to be looked at as being. And these are my words. All right, namby pamby. Right. Mm-hmm. All right? right. You want to look at your police as they are the last wall between you and what uh you know uh, michael kane was saying yeah and in batman the guy who just wants to see the city burn uh you want those police officers ready to lay their lives down i mean yeah. that's what you want from your soldiers yeah. right yeah and, that's and, what and they want it for me when i put my hand up and took the oath to my country that's right yeah and police to me are the military branch of the city oh they are that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me say something. Here. There was a song that was written by a famous gentleman uh, who, who uh, he wrote this song. And what it says was, like, like a dull knife, it just ain't cutting. Mm-hmm. You're just talking loud, then saying nothing. Mm-hmm. That was James Brown. First verse. Talking loud, saying nothing. Now, I'm a James Brown fan. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that song was saying, look, you're doing all this talking. Yeah. But what we're going to do, it, it's time out for talking. That's right. Because the hurt is deep. Like like uh, uh, she was saying earlier, it really bothered me when I see that video and the man just begging and begging mm-hmm. and begging. And I'm like, it should bother everybody. It brings out a side of me from the hood that I have to really cut it down real quick. Yeah. And that's what everybody's feeling. 
But still, that's no excuse for tearing up people's buildings. Nope. That's right. You know, it's okay to meet and protest, but don't tear up people's buildings. And so that's that, that's the whole thing. A lot of people are talking loud and saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Politics, preachers, some mm-hmm. preachers don't even know how to handle this. You know, they they know how to articulate words and make make an ice cream sandwich sound like a chicken sandwich, but they really don't know how to cook the sandwich. I mean, it, it, and that, that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what they do. I haven't heard it put that way, but that's a lot of truth in in, in that. So how do we how do we move? And this is this is the major question. How do we move? from what we have right now mm-hmm. to policy. Yeah. Well, again, getting with, like last night, I, as I told you, Dave, in our church, we talked about this in an open forum. And I said, and we need someone who's willing to, you know, who, who will volunteer, who's willing to get in there and work with the legislation. We had someone volunteer to do that. And what is what are the things that we need to see change? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, for instance, uh, a dear friend of mine who's a retired state police uh, and I asked him in that training, how do you approach a vehicle? Uh, you know, what's your first contact right. with the person you pull someone over for run the stop sign? What's the what's the first contact? And he told me, you know, you you go up to the vehicle, you introduce yourself. Right. I'm trooper and I'm with this troop. And the reason I pulled you over was for this reason mm-hmm. that automatically, because a lot of times you're sitting there going, why am I? Why have right. I been? That's the, intro- right. that's the introductory statement. Yeah, so that's right. the introductory statement. And that happened happened to me uh, a couple of years ago. You know, a state trooper pulled me over and he, he came up to the door. He said, my name is Trooper. I'm from this troop. And the reason I pulled you over is you didn't have a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Now, we disagreed about that, but I was instantly calm and impressed mm-hmm. Because he was very professional. Professional. He was very Mm -hmm. courteous. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself took all of the fire out of it. So I don't know if this this is the way the state police are trained, but I don't know that every uh, police department and different ones are trained like that. Because I've been there when you're waiting, as I said, from 1981, I'm still waiting to, to find out why I was pulled over. Well, one thing about it, and the major thing you said is training. They are training that way in the academy. Mm-hmm. Like our local city of Jacksonville has an outstanding police department. And that's how they handle situations. However, because a person's trained doesn't yes. mean they're going to apply. Exactly. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, I can get up all day and, and train a person. I can teach you all day according to Scripture. Don't fornicate. Don't do this. But you, that's up to you if you go out there and do it. That's so right. you got to apply the principles. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going that way scripturally because that's what we are. I'm a preacher. Yeah. Right. I'm a man of God that believe in the fact that. If I train you, you got to apply it, but I can't force it on you, Mm -hmm. you know? So the whole thing, when the policies and procedures come and when we get ready to hire a policeman, Mm I'm going to say police person because, you know, it's all genders. Mm -hmm. They should go to through a stricter uh, psych. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, because, you know, the military for certain jobs. You know this. You we got to go through a psychic yes. veil, yeah. background check. They go all the way back to your middle school. That's the fact. And, and, mm-hmm. and say, uh, Miss Thelma, you remember Jane Bowler? No. How old is he? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they check your records thoroughly. Before or they, they might you- say, I remember that little snot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I think I probably have a couple of teachers that oh, yeah. might remember. Yeah, me. I could even remember jobs when you went in recruiting. They interviewed your wife. They yeah. want to ask your wife, what do you think of him going and recruiting? You know, so it was a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of things that are, I think that that's a good thing for police officers. Yeah. Yes. Because there's a lot of stress. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, if you're going, in, I'm going to tell you what, you're going in special forces, they'll talk oh, to your wife. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, because you're going to be gone a lot. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. not just that initial psych evaluation. 
continue ongoing, ongoing continuous um, psych evaluations. How are you handling this position? How yeah. are you handling this job? Yeah, because the position will you, change your thought pattern exactly, automatically. Exactly. Yeah, they take you from loving everybody to saying everybody's a criminal. Right. You know, every, you start scrutinizing. I mean, I, I when I worked as a reserve officer in Texas, I had to quit. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I was a preacher and I was starting to look at everybody as a criminal. I mean, uh, you know, people walk up to the altar. I was like, okay, you're trying to do something. I mean, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> You did the right thing. You did the right thing by letting that go. Let it go. But they they, they shared this little part here. Go ahead. Uh, So we're talking about training. And and, and if you're a police officer listening, please understand we're not bashing police. Not at all. Our our police. We support our police. We have a lot of family members and friends that are police. So we love you. We support you. And just like uh, has been said, they're bad players in every professional. And let me just say something. Yes, sir. Because it's important for everybody to understand. We've got a diverse police force in America. Oh, yeah. All right. It was just the other night in Atlanta, Georgia, because I was watching it on television. It was live. They were having problems in in Atlanta. And uh, I think it's four black police officers. We're pulling other blacks out of their cars. They shattered the the window of the driver's side. They fractured this driver's arm, mm-hmm. pulling him out of the car. They tased him. They did. It don't matter what color you are. I I wanted to move this conversation that way as well because I think inherently when you're granted power, power. Yes. How will you handle mm-hmm. that power? I don't care what color you are. That's exactly. right. That's right. And one thing you have to understand about uh, handling power, uh, I know in our unit, I'm sure, you know, Colonel over there, Colonel, you know, <laughs> this is my position. <laughs> and then family, and then finances, and then job pressures. Now that one position has loaded me down in my psyche. It's messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of times what happens, they, they're they overloaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't get a chance to de-escalate or mm-hmm. to, to, to clear their mind. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to understand, he may have just had an argument with his wife, with his when, wife. just before he came on that, duty. Oh, you know, in the military we had that. Uh, oh, yeah. You, if you had a supervisor that his, his, his uh, marriage wasn't good in the military, he'd make you work long hours because he didn't want to go home. <laughs> yeah, what, what time we get home? Well, you know, <laughs> or he treated you like he'd like to treat his wife. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you be- <laughs> I had that happen a few yeah. times. In the, go uh, ahead, Philadelphia Police Department. They, uh, you know, in wake of a lot of things that were happening that were happening years, a few years back, mm-hmm. they uh, brought in all the officers and did forty hours of training, or right. retraining, uh, on, and they were learning tactics uh, how to. Use tactics mm-hmm. other than lethal force, yeah. and so in 2013 they had there were 11 deadly uh, shootings by police. After this training in 2014, there were four. Mm-hmm. In 2015, there were two. Okay, good. So yeah. just training, training on how to de-escalate and making lethal force the absolute last uh, measure. It just that training there saved a lot of lives and that's, careers. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. Really, and that's what we're really talking good. about. Not just uh, having a conversation, but having some real changes. Oh yeah, right. Uh, you know, because I I believe that if 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 our officers get more hand to hand combat training, more um, 
I call it uh, hand-to-hand self-esteem training. You don't need a pistol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't if you if you not use your hands properly and know every nerve in that human body, mm-hmm. you don't have to kill nobody. That's a good point. I mean, that's what the military teach you. Yeah, well, that's yeah. why I like Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. because he he shows the one move that they show you in the military yeah. initially, and that's how they grab a person's wrist yeah. and take them to their knees. Like, yeah, that was part yeah. of the training that the New York uh, Police Department was doing, and all of, in that training, they said all that training was to avoid blocking the airways. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in MMA. Yes. Oh, yeah. You've got an official there that if you get a sleeper hold on somebody and you yeah. and you're blocking off both sides of the karate, mm-hmm. he's there to to, to say you're out. Yeah. It's, it's done. It's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's done. And you got to let go. It's, it's less than ten seconds. Yes. Yes. Right. Ten seconds. Because after ten seconds, you start. Yeah. Shutting down. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's the way it works. Yeah. I'm looking over. My producer's doing this. She's looking at me. She's telling me it's time to take a break. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Her body language is communicating to me. All right. 19 after 8. You got something you want to say? 8230965. Let me say it real slow for you. 8230965. Now, I'm, I'm looking over, and everybody's got notes in front of them. So you guys have had got some things that you've wanted to say. So when we come back, it's note time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. I told you as we left. That I, I looked across, Iverson has a piece of paper in front of him. I'm mean, just looking across, everybody's got got statements that, or questions or topics that they want to deal with. So who wants to go first here? Who wants to, who wants to okay. I'll come next. You know, I'm just going to pick it back off of what um, Iverson um, Jackson was saying as far as we've got to go take this righteous indignation, right? take this holy anger, this fired up feeling that we have, and we have to do something. Mm-hmm. It's enough conversations, enough marches that it's not getting us anywhere. Mm-hmm. So how do we make a difference? How do we start chipping away with this legislation? Uh, as you said before, I work for family council. I'm in government affairs, and I am currently working on um, a legislative package um, to deal with, specifically deal with these issues good um for one thing we're looking at uh, the reporting um you you talked about the training Mm -hmm. which is extremely important for the officers Mm -hmm. but when that happens when you when unnecessary or deadly force is used how what's the reporting around Mm -hmm. that and i think that was one thing that we found out here in arkansas is that there's not a lot of reporting you can't really trace it back to the event and what happened um, so that's something that we're definitely looking at is when these things happen, there needs to be so much paperwork around that. For one thing, um, it helps us to understand it protects the police officer and it protects the citizens mm-hmm. as well. Um, because if we can understand every point of view, not just I'm glad we have body cameras and things of that sort, but there, the paperwork around that needs to be done. Um, it, it protects the officer protects the citizens, but it also is a deterrent because if you know that you use unnecessary deadly force and there's going to be this huge investigation around it, it makes you think twice mm-hmm. about going there. Um, also, when there are investigations, it's usually internal. And if there's an internal investigation, that leaves more of a door for there to be 
um, ways to just push that under the carpet, it's cover, cover it up. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cover it up. Right, exactly. It's cover up. So when there's an invest- investigation that needs to be done, it needs to be an external investigation. Someone that doesn't have vested interest inside transparency. Of transparency, mm-hmm. yes. So we've got to look at those things. I, I, and I'm just thinking out loud. This is not family council. This is Sharice. But one thing that really bothered me uh, amongst all of these things is the unnecessary calling of the police on innocent black people for being black. Just being black. Um, like the instance with Amy Cooper in the park at yeah. Central Park. And this black man mm-hmm. is just trying to watch birds. Mm-hmm. And um, she decides she has weaponized. She understood the power of her whiteness. Mm-hmm. And she understood what can happen sometimes with black people, especially black men. And she purposely used the police almost as a weapon against, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. And you can see how she escalated her voice and and all of these things. And so I don't know what we can do about that. I don't know if there's legislation already in place, but that needs to stop. Mm There needs to be some sort of consequence for calling the police on people for being black. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm, you know, being a white male, I know that a lot of people in my race will say, well, he was being kind of uppity with me. Hmm. You ever heard that term? I have. Mm-hmm. All right. They've been kind of uppity with me and they get irritated about it as though that person's below you. Well, you know what? They're a human being. You got to treat them with the same dignity you want to be treated with. Mm -hmm. That's right. If you're feeling that way, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now, you're wrong. Yeah. Hey, check yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just telling you, you're wrong. Right. You have to check yourself. And it's a difference if you're saying, well, he's treating me with disrespect. Now, is he really treating you with disrespect or is he treating you and saying, you're not treating me with, you know, respect and, and whatnot. And then just, there's a there's an underlying current there sometimes mm-hmm. that we got to pay attention to. You know, all of those decisions and statements are based on a person's perception, how you perceive a person. Yeah. Uh, the problem is a lot of us are not well-rounded in dealing with personalities. Mm-hmm. And I say that even from school teachers all the way up, because when you're well-rounded, you understand you may come up be a certain way, Dave, but I, it's, I, it's my job to find a way to de-escalate it and not assume that you got a problem with me. All right, we're going to take a break on that. We'll come back, and I'll let the pastor pick up on that. But we'll come back and let let uh, tell us more what she's thinking as well on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 25 minutes till 9. Time is flying, flying. But I think that we've made some headway here because for once in a panel that I got, we went from talking to start talking about policy, and we heard – one member of our, our panel saying, I'm working on a uh, a package for um, state representatives and state senators to start looking at. And that's important. What are, share some thoughts with us. Well, um, talk is cheap. Um, and we, we elect people to represent us in mm-hmm. government. And... Um, there is a portion of our society and our community that is hurting right now. And, um, and if you are, um, an elective representative, you should be dealing with what affects your constituents. 
So um, at Family Council, we're we're working with different legislators to come up with an answer, a solution. Take this holy anger, this 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 fired up feeling that we have, and let's do something productive. Let's have an end game in mind. What's the end point? That's end good. Point is for all of us as Americans to be treated fairly and for justice um, to reign. And it should not matter what your skin color is, what your what your uh, religious background, what your ethnicity. None of that should matter. Uh, we all should have the same mm-hmm. rights, um, and they should be uh, applied equally. Um, so, as I said before, there are certain things that we could do as legislation. Um, Pastor Jackson had some great ideas. I'm sure he probably has more. Mm-hmm. One, one I, I, we talked about training. One thing that I want to also talk about is voting. You know, one thing that we have at Family Council is we have a um, a voter's guide, and we hit the relevant issues of the day. Yep. And we ask, we poll everyone that's running for some sort of position, what are your thoughts on this issue? Where do you stand? And I think it's so important for us as we are in this time is where is where do the people that represent you stand on the issues that are important to you? Mm-hmm. And um, voting is so important, especially in the African-American community. It's something that we were talking about on the break is that after I think it was during the Reformation, after the Civil War and um, um, blacks were uh, given the right to vote, there were so many black um, senators, representatives from in, in every layer, from local to city to state. There was so much representation for us. And right now we have less representation than we did when the Civil War was over. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for us to vote and put people in office that have our best interest in mind and understand the issues and are willing to stand up and make the corrections as far as legislation, training, things of that sort. Um, So our vote is very important. That's one way that you can, another way that you can um, change things through your actions. Voting for your legislators. But also, we were talking about the church and pastors and how the church, unfortunately, has been very silent when it comes to issues of this sort. And so my thing is, if your pastor isn't talking about these relevant issues that affect you, and your community, and your family, and your boys, and your girls, then why are you still there? Mm-hmm. Vote with your feet, take your tithes, take your offering, take your family, and walk. We've got to make sure that people understand that this is important, and it's got to be dealt with. Enough com- enough conversations. There needs to be action. Um, And if there's not any action, then we need to really consider that. And we also need to make sure that there's there's representation from every aspect of life. Now, we had an interesting discussion here on the show with a caller who tried to tell me that what Antifa was doing was no different than the Boston Tea Party. And I said, well, there's one point that you forget. And he's like, what? And I said, those guys didn't have any representation. Mm-hmm. There was no representation. Now you do. Right. You stand without, you know, 
cover on this. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, vote it out. That's right. Get rid of it. Uh, now, and, and they don't want to do that because, you know what, it takes work and it takes time. Yes, yeah. It does take time. Look, if there are racists out there, you ain't going to change their view for the most part. And and I'm going to I'm going to tell you what will change them uh, or should change them before we get through this half hour. It's a heart change right. Yes. That's right. that has yes. to happen. Yes. That's right. And that only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm I mean, telling you. That's right. That's right. That only happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I became a Christian, my whole way of thinking changed. Changed. Mm-hmm. Totally changed. Has to. And it, and it has to happen that way. I mean, do you guys run into people that, you know, they, they have thoughts that are, you know, like, look, there's black people that hate white people. There's mm-hmm. white people that hate black people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you deal with a guy who, or a lady who says, hey, those white devils, you know, and, and talk about it? I mean, from a, from a biblical standpoint, how do you talk to them? Well, what I tell them, I tell them, first of all, the Bible said we're wrestling out against flesh and blood. That's right. So That's you're going to have a problem with anybody. Mm-hmm. But when you got the power of the Holy Spirit, you understand how to deal with it. And one of the most powerful people uh, besides Jesus mm-hmm. that I see in the Bible that dealt with racism and God elevated him was Joseph. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the midst of him being in Egypt, which would be uh, equated to an African-American in the United States. And he wasn't treated nice. No, he either. wasn't treated nice. He was <laughs> accused. He was yeah. imprisoned. But God elevated him because he stayed focused. Yes. And a lot of times we as Christians don't understand we need to stay focused. But to stay focused, we got to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's right. And I tell a lot of people, and I, and I teach this real strongly, fasting and praying. Jesus told his disciples the reason you couldn't deal with that demon, mm. because the Bible says this kind come but by prayer and fasting. And churches don't fast anymore. Pastors don't. Don't fasten them more. They're busy slipping and dipping and midnight tipping and drinking and slicking. But they're not <laughs> surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. They're preparing sermons, but not preparing their lives. And that's what's totally different. I love it yeah. when the unction starts coming out. <laughs> yeah. I try to be quiet. I love it. You know, I love it. You know, you, you, uh, you have to, you, let me say it like this. We're talking about training. You can't train in character. No, 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 no. You can't, no, no. You can't train true. in character. That's no, where the Holy you, Spirit you, comes you in. Yeah, yeah, you break character. Yeah, yeah. And then train. Yes. That's what we did as yeah. drill sergeant MTIs. We're going to break you. That first 10 days, I'm going to break you. Yeah. I'm going to find out if you're going to be Air Force material or Army material. Then after I see that you can do right, <laughs> right fade, left fade, work as a unit, now I'm going to teach you the UCMJ and everything. There's no need to me teaching you UCMJ if your character's all screwed up. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, character. You're you exactly know, right. Uh, Dave, one, one of the things I'll get this in, because with this panel, you never know if you're going to get another word in or not. <laughs> but here's one of the things. We were talking about the training part here and this was brought up last night at church by by a young lady she said what you know we talk about the police being trained but what about the citizenry being trained i was going to bring that up but that's good go ahead okay so when you go to get your driver's license why is there not maybe a five minute ten minute video that each person getting a new driver's license has Mm -hmm. to watch that shows you how to uh, deal with the police stop what Mm -hmm. you know what the law is concerning Mm -hmm. a police stop they have to do this they have to do that and so forth so that type of thing could be handled with a video before you get your license and maybe when you renew your license or or something there's there's some way to do that put that together that can be inexpensive but very effective all right lakita uh is here in little rock she wants to join us here on the show Lakita, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. 
I'm doing great, and good morning to everybody there on the panel. I am, I don't know, over the past several weeks just been, well, well, for quite some time just really, but when you guys started talking about the Holy Spirit, I had to call in. Okay. Um, I think that was my cue because I debated on whether or not um, to call in and say anything. But, you know, within, you said something so powerful um they when you said that you know it's hard we can't you know we have to have policy and all that we have to be working toward that mm-hmm. but on the flip side of it you can't legislate the heart that's correct and that has to happen through a heart change and that only happens through holy spirit but um it is so disheartening like i expect for the world we call it the world, the secular world, to do what they do because they don't have God. That's right. That's and right. but when within the body of Christ, I expect that we're all going to be saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be when stuff like this happens and events and situations like this happen, that we're all speaking with one voice. Yes. And that is the most disheartening thing is that hasn't happened. We've right. seen a lot of silence. Um, we've seen a lot of, you know, kind of deferring to de- other, you know, reasons why things are happening and all of that. But all of that to the side, we just um, finished celebrating the day of Pentecost. That's right. That was last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we celebrated the all the power that came along with that and what happened on that day. And one of the things that did happen on that day is that they were all speaking with one voice. Right. They could he- they could understand what each other was saying. And the Holy Spirit in empowers us to be able to do that. When we're in situations like this, we have to depend on Holy Spirit, on the Holy Ghost. Those of us that are that have that indwelling within us to be able to call on that to empower us to be able to speak with one voice. Dave, you and I ought to be saying the same thing about racism. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think that this panel and, and this uh, host agree. Yes. Yes, we have to be able to do that. And if we're not, that means that we're we're not really, you know, standing on all that came along with that day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I I believe Holy Spirit helps us bridge gaps. Yes. And at least at least he did on the day of Pentecost because everyone was standing there astonished because people were speaking of the other person's language. And so it helped them be able to understand one another. And we should be able to do that as people who have Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We ought to be able to call on him to help us bridge these gaps and be able to understand one another. And then the world will look at us and be astounded and astonished at what is happening. Well, you know? so you gotta, anyway, you got to be a believer that, and, and thank you for your call. You have to be a believer that believes that the Holy Spirit right. lives yes. in you. Because he's not going to force himself on you. No. no. He's not no. going to force himself. He, he, he will present himself and give you time. Okay, let me find another vessel. Yeah, he's, a, he's the helper. That's what the Bible says. He's the helper. Now, now I'm going to be honest. He'll show up at the door of your heart. Knock. Mm -hmm. You open up. It's Holy Spirit. You say... And you look at him, and, and, and he looks like he's from tool time, all right? He, <laughs> yeah, he's got the belt on and all. He's ready to get to work inside, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's going to be there'll be a little bit of, uh, you know, 
irritation with some of the things that he'll That's deal it. with you. But know that that comes. Yeah. That just yeah. comes. We'll, we'll be back. We'll speak more about this when we come back because that lady is exactly, Lakita was exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And I know people say, well, Dave, why do you always talk about, you know, Jesus? And why do you talk about the Holy Spirit? Why do you talk about Christianity? Because it's what our nation was founded on. Yes. And we've gotten away from it. Yeah. And, and we've got to bring it back. Yes. All right. Yeah. You know, put... Let's put God back in the schools and see what happens. Yeah. That'd be nice to see that happen. Oh, yes. Instead of ripping him out by the roots. Why would he want to even work with us when we don't, you know, ask him to work with us? Mm-hmm. We got more on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Terry wants to get in and he's got something he wants to say. Terry, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you, Dave. As for years I've listened to you. I thank you for what you're doing and for the panel there. I just want to say I pray God's blessings on y'all. God has been seen before, and he was on a glass throne. And if you want to know what color he was, they were all there. It wasn't light bright and candy white or mocha brown. It was everything. God loves us all to make us all the color he sees fit, and he is right and holy. We need to learn to love each other and get over all this. Thank y'all for your time. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate you calling. That's right. When you get to heaven and we're all there worshiping together, everybody's going to be there. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. Everybody yeah. is going to be there. It don't matter what color, don't matter what creed, don't matter. Everybody who loves the Lord will be there. Mm-hmm. So you better get over it. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> and Dave, let me ask you, have you uh, I don't know if you were when you were younger, but my family, we raised chickens. <clears throat> And in the yard, right we had white chicken, black chicken, a uh, uh, different color chicken. But when it came down to eat the chicken, and you pulled the feathers off, it was all chicken. That's right. <laughs> and too many times, you know, we let the color of our feathers distinguish how we're going to treat somebody. But every chicken got the same corn, and every chicken got fried. Well, right. in the military, we all learn everybody bleeds <laughs> red. Yeah. 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 Everybody. Everybody. Even the enemy. Yeah. That's right. Bleeds red. And you got to love everybody. That's right. Yeah. You got to you got to do what you got to do sometimes, but everybody has got to understand we are all in this together. All right. in this together. And right. if you don't understand that we're all in this together, do if me you, a favor. I want you to read that verse. Okay, um, this is a scripture that came to me this week when I was just in prayer and just on my face, fasted and praying mm-hmm. because that's something that came to mind as well as I was celebrating Pentecost. Is that these things? Some of these things don't pass except for by. Fasting and praying. And as a people, we need to get on our faces. And this is what came to mind. Proverbs 28, 5, the ESV version says, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. So whatever areas we may not all understand the intricacies of it, but if you don't understand just the fact that justice needs to be done, there's something wrong there. And the areas that we don't understand, if we will seek God, God says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him come to me mm-hmm. and I will give it to him freely. So what that's what we need to be doing. We need to be on our faces. We need to be seeking God's wisdom as to what the legislation right. needs to look like, what the training looks needs to look like. Lord, Holy Spirit, show me who I need to vote for. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. do I, who do we need to vote out? Mm-hmm. Um, and. We need to. I, I, I thought about the 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 children of Israel. Every time they were in situations like this, where they were being oppressed, and um, 
in where they needed God's help. When they turned to God and they cried out, deliver us. Mm-hmm. God came in to their yeah. rescue. And we need to, we as as uh, African-Americans, blacks, we need to be crying out for the deliverance. But we also need other of our brothers and sisters to cry out for deliverance with us. Weep with us. Cry with us. Fight with us. Mm-hmm. We need to be have a, a united force, a unite unity. There's power in unity. Mm-hmm. And as a church, we should be unified. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, when you look at the flag of the United States, you shouldn't see our military or anything like that. What you see is an ideal. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ideal that the flag represents is what we all continue to reach for. That's why I get upset with people like Kaepernick, mm-hmm. who take a knee when they look at the United States and they see the injustice. Well, it's not the flag that's the injustice. Yeah. It's the people that the, are, are the injustice. The flag calls for us to a higher idea, mm-hmm. a greater good. And uh, that's why I get upset with uh, yeah. people who do that kind of stuff. They don't understand what the flag yeah. is. You know, they, the, it unites us all for yeah, a higher for calling. Higher call. Mm-hmm. And the the words uh, we're endowed by our creator, all men are created equal, endowed yes. by their creator. That didn't come out of the mind of a man. That came by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. speaking through right. a man. And maybe the when the man wrote that, he didn't have the ideal of everybody being included. But the Holy Spirit knew that one day that, as Dr. King said, we would have to live up to right. the mm-hmm. words that were written. And so we're, we're, we should be, as Americans, thankful we are still one nation under God. And as long as I'm here and the church is here, we're going to be one nation under well, God because yes. we're never going to yield uh, this country to those that want to destroy it. And, you yeah. know, one, one thing that was real powerful, and I think a lot of people forget the part when Martin Luther King said that we'd be judged by the content of our character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of us, we need to work on our character. Yes. Whether yeah. you're in the church or out the church, what, what kind of character what do you have? Character, yeah. And character is not what you present to people in the front. Mm-hmm. It's what you're doing behind yeah. closed doors. All right. Bobby wants to jump in. We've got a couple of moments. Okay. Bobby, you're going to be the final caller here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Go. Thanks, Dave, and thanks for, for your panel there. I, I was a teacher in Houston for 30 years, and I started in the era when they we had the Bible in our classroom. Yeah. When we when they forced us to take the Bible out of the schools, particularly was bad enough. But when they stopped us from even te- teaching moral values, and we couldn't even teach the Golden Rule anymore, hmm. then things changed drastically. Yeah, I can understand that. I think if we could put the Ten Commandments back in the classroom where the kids... Oh, Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You got to fight. I mean, look, we we had to fight just to get them on the Capitol grounds. Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. right. That's right. And it's the basis of our law. Yeah. Right. That that we use every day. I appreciate your call. Thanks so much. We're down to a minute left. Got to let you go. But I do appreciate your call here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, seriously... You know, whether you like it or not, this is a Judeo-Christian nation. Yes. All right. And and I stress Judeo in that. That's right. Uh, You know, if you're a Christian and and you say something against a Jew, I'm looking at you. Yeah, that's right. Because let me give you a hint. 
Jesus was a Jew. That's yes, right. he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. And he wasn't white. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I don't think he was black. I think he had olive skin. Yeah, right? they, they, they never could have hit him in Egypt if he was white. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. Just so, so many Tell things that we've yeah. got wrong. Iverson, thanks for bringing yes, our sir. folks in here. Yes, I want to thank both of you for coming. Thank in you for today. the opportunity. I'm yes. going to bring you back in. Thank you. You, you willing to do that? Yeah, sure. All right. Absolutely. We can do that again. Tomorrow, it's a Friday. Uh, Rob Steinbach will be here, my legal professor. Chris Colbert will be here. Uh, he's a lawyer. I want to talk to them about the Insurrection Act. You know, the last time that was used was 1992. They make, they make it sound when you listen to the news that it was in, uh, you know, like uh, 1655 or something like that. You know, it was used during the L.A. riots. That's the last time it was used. Not saying that there are other times that it shouldn't have been used. I'm out of time. Be listening for my promo. I'll tell you everything that's coming tomorrow on that. Until then, have a good day.